Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment, bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. <laughs> Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. What is going on, affiliate sports fam? It's your favorite history teacher, Mr. Parker Ainsworth, here another edition of FN Sports, the podcast where teachers grade sports biggest issues and today i got special guest ben holloway from the death Texans sports podcast on to help us preview the nfc east as we continue to make our way across the nfl and preview each division ben is a cowboys fan much like myself so without further ado let's dive on in to the nfc east all right so we are joined by guest ben holloway of the death taxes and sports podcast ben how are you doing this evening i'm doing fantastic man we're, we're getting close to september Things are getting real, man. It's preseason is, you know, kicking and can't say I much, much watch much of it besides for fantasy football purposes. <laughs> but uh, September, man, it is coming. And, you know, it, football, it's right there, man. It feels like it took forever. And now it feels like, man, is the game tomorrow? <laughs> it's right around the corner. Um, we're going to be previewing to get ready for what's right around the corner. The NFC East today which is particularly close to your heart as a cow. People listen to the show know that I enjoy the Cowboys and the Texans. It's close to your heart as a Cowboys fan, but you live in the Northeast in New England, very literally in New England area. So walk us through like, how did that happen? Absolutely, man. I mean, that's a, that's a good one. Like you are nowhere close to Texas. You're like, you're like, couldn't be further almost in the United States. <laughs> Not quite, but you know what I'm saying? Like it's thousands and thousands, thousands of miles away. The The answer is when I was younger, I was born in 87. And, you know, as far as watching football goes, probably was somewhere 93, 94, something like that. The first one that I can remember for a fact, the first Super Bowl I remember was actually Steve Young versus the Chargers, the Super Bowl record that he still has. Six touchdowns right, in a right. Super Bowl, 49-26. Sorry, I'm self-bragging there that I still remember <laughs> that. <laughs> but that was like the first like Super Bowl that I remember. But And I actually started liking when I first got into it. My mom tells me I liked Miami Dolphins first. 
Okay. For some for some reason, I, I she never explained why. Maybe there wasn't a reason. Maybe I liked the colors and I was so young. I don't know. <laughs> and she tells me I called them the Miami. So I didn't oh, even say funny. Miami. I said Miami. That's and it's it's really funny to me just to hear her tell me that you know. Um, and then you know, as a kid, you know, you jump on the team if your household doesn't have a team. Really, I feel like you just jump on the team that's winning. And back then. It was the Cowboys. They were the first. Te- they were the first team to win three out of four, and Super Bowls. Not the only team now, obviously, of course, but they were the first ones to do it. And if Jimmy and Jerry didn't have an ego cockfight, then that would have been more. <laughs> that, well, that definitely would have been more. And I want to reiterate to our, if we have any younger audience out there, that yes. Between 1990, we'll say 92 and 1995, you were there was not going to be a better team to pick than the Cowboys. I, I, it's hard to believe that now. It's been so long. It's, it's hilarious that we have to explain that and justify that to someone who's 15 <laughs> years old. If they like sports and listen to this, they're like, um, Cowboys? How? Why? How old are you? It's like, well, they were the best team. I promise you, they were the best team. They were one of the first dynasties. Yeah, but they haven't won since I was alive. Yeah, don't remind me. <laughs> don't remind me. Um, I, I'm well aware. Thank you for letting me know. But, you know, I only hear it 15 times a year, or now there's 17 games, so 17 games a year. Um, but, but And then, you know what? It's kind of one of those things I'm very loyal as a friend, as a person, whatever. Once you're my team, you're my team. That's it. I'm latched on. Um, so I think that the only answer, and I know we'll get to them, if I'm being just 100% honest, if I was a Washington fan, I don't know if I could still be a Washington fan. Well, there's Because, because of the ownership specifically and the lawsuits and the sexual harassment and all that. I literally would like, I don't have a daughter or kids, but if I did, I would almost feel like I'm doing her wrong by rooting for a team that has all of those allegations. It's well, insane. I know we probably, we probably didn't want to go into that. No, no, but, no. It, that's at like, the ownership level too. Right. So it's not like you can say, Oh, but eventually this player will retire or whatever. Like the yeah. ownership is like forever like that or not forever, yeah. but like until they decide to sell. Um, by the way, we won't get there because it's a kind of depressing topic, but for anyone who doesn't know, you could spend a week studying the lawsuits about the Washington now commanders and you would still only know about 5% of it. Yeah. It's well, nuts. It's, it's insane. There's so much. And it's nuts. With how little gets out even um, there. That whole thing hit during a time, it, you know, COVID pandemic where like, it was just, it was kind of like on the back burners, the news. Um, anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, but to go back to your question, so I live in New England, like you said, Patriots now, of course, I mean, Brady's not there anymore, but recently, you know, they were winning, like, all the time, you know, it, it was crazy, so, like, you know, if I was a, that's what gets me, oh, my God, as a Cowboys fan, I think you will appreciate this, we'll say, you know, why are you a bandwagon fan, and this is my response, and you can steal this, I promise you, you can steal this, I said, depending upon how old the person is i'll add a swear or not but uh, i will say if if that was if that was true you're calling me a bandwagon fan bandwagon would be not the cowboys do you understand the lingo of bandwagon because you can't be a bandwagon fan of a team that doesn't win 
You can't be a bandwagon fan of a team that's not winning. Right. It's, it's impossible. It's impossible. If it's been almost 20 years at this point, or almost 30 years at this point. Yeah, I was going to say, buddy, it's more than that. Uh, I teach history. <laughs> I teach history, not math. Um, all right. <laughs> so, hey, well, don't, those two tie together sometimes, my friend, in this case. <laughs> well, let's start with the Cowboys. Um, the Cowboys are always the headlining team on SportsCenter. So I don't need to go into too much detail because everyone, I think, knows a lot of the. We'll get into offseason storylines and expectations in the season, those kinds of things. But, Ben, what grade if you had to predict the grade they get on the season or at the end of the season what grade do you think the Dallas Cowboys will get this season yeah so definitely spend a little bit of time you know thinking about it and if I'm being honest I think that I think a C because that's that's average and I don't, I don't expect anything great so let's break that down because I don't mean to chuckle. I also like the Cowboys, but I'm like a very so. You, so you want to know? You want to know more? You yeah. Know more. Um, yeah. So the, the they, reason they do have like like Dak Prescott's good. Ezekiel it's supposed to be good. Mm-hmm. I think Tony Pollard's okay. Like CD Lamb's gonna be all right. Like like what? Yeah. But I why? also like why are they gonna get a C? I also am like ah, I don't still know. So okay, so the it's one of those things that people. What bugs me about sports sometimes is people try to simplify. And I get it. Sometimes, you know, keep it simple, stupid when you're explaining something makes sense, right? I mean, that's the best way to explain something sometimes. But if you keep certain things just in one lane, let's say, you're analyzing just this, you're missing 90% of it. You're focusing on maybe one thing that is a reason or might not be a reason they're winning or not winning, but you're not looking at the whole picture especially with football, there's so many players and not only so many players, so many coaches. Like that's why do you think Dan Marino as amazing as he was made one Super Bowl, or, you know, some of the best players at their position never even made it to a Super Bowl because the football roster is so big and it's harder in, in football, in, in my opinion, to cover up weaknesses because the roster is so big. So you could have, I mean, as Cowboys fans, we can see years where sometimes we have five pro bowlers and we have like a 500 record. But those five players are like phenomenal at their positions. But it's like, no, 22 players start. So five out of 22 is actually pretty bad. Even in baseball terms, five out of 22, you would barely be in the MLB. Well, and what's interesting when you say that is it's not just that. So if they had the five out of 22 are pro bowlers, we've had years where like, they have five pro bowlers and they're starting 22 and they have five guys. That's like, how is that guy still in the league? And they're five twenty-two. And that's what I'm saying. And um, okay. Let me ask you this part, uh, Parker, the offensive line. Okay. I feel like people who are not Cowboys fans have an, an extreme misconception and still believe that they're like a top three offensive line. And I think that they're absolutely nuts and it's barely a top 10 offensive line at this point. It's still the name recognition from like 2016, 17 to me, right? Like 2016, 17, I really think they were. And there was probably two years where they were the best and there was no question. And it's some of the same names, Tyrone Smith, Zach Martin, whatever, right? But because it's got a couple of the same names, they still were the star. It feels like, oh, of course they are. And they're really probably not. What what did you think? um, I know it's preseason football. 
of mm-hmm. the uh, uh, Tyler Smith. Is that the kid I'm thinking of? Um, yeah, and, Tyler, yeah. The, the T Smith that's going to replace the T Smith. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Literally, that that was because that was like on draft night. I was like, there's definitely maybe two or three different players I wanted instead of the first front, first round pick, Tyler Smith. But then as I like, you know, did a little more analysis and like kind of read a little bit of the, you know, Cowboys reporters and, you know, draft grades and all that. I'm like, you know what? They never, for three years, they never had a plan at left tackle. So they needed a plan at left tackle because Tyron Smith, when he's healthy, is still probably the second to third best left tackle in the league at his pure health and best. But we have not seen that for more than maybe 15 games combined over the last like three years. Right. Like when he's when he's there, he's fantastic, but he ain't there. So and they never had a plan for left tackle. So that's where I'm like, you know what? Even though it might have been a tiny bit of a reach, which it wasn't much of a reach, even though it was a tiny bit, at least they have a plan at left tackle. Yeah, and I think it's interesting too that like he's super young. I think he's still 21 years old. Um, and theoretically, while I think you're right that he might have been a little bit more a reach at the 24th pick, if he gets to like work with Tyron for a little while, you know, like does he? Yeah, be that be that mentor. You know, be that. Right. You know, Sean Lee was. You know, this is. I mean, I don't think he was there, but you know, Sean Lee was almost for Jalen Smith because they crossed paths like for a season, right? I think. I think Sean Lee, I think Sean Lee played with him, but still Sean Lee again with health was the best middle linebacker in the league for like a three to four year period. If he was healthy, he was the best linebacker in the league. That's how good he, that's how good he was. And then another another guy that had the health bug thing. Um, We've talked a lot about the offense, but I do need to get your take on this uh, Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott thing going on because it feels like Zeke's getting paid. He'll get the carries. He's been the guy forever. And I wonder if Tony Pollard is like getting, you know, in a, on a mediocre to bad team, the backup quarterback's always super popular. And it feels like Tony Pollard's almost getting that treatment, right? What do you think yeah. about the balance that t- people are striking with them and kind of bouncing back and forth? On who- it feels like there's a really 50-50 split in Cowboys Nation on what to do there. So it's funny you say 50-50 split because – some things are obvious. And in my opinion, that is obvious. You make it as close to a 50-50 split in not only catches and like touches, carries and catches combined, you make it very close to a 50-50 split. By the way, um, this can be successful. Um, Go to Lambeau, watch the (laughs) Packers game the last three years, maybe two years, but AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones are amazing compliments for each other neither one of them get mad when the other one succeeds Neither one they're all cheering for each other it doesn't matter Aaron Jones could have five carries and AJ Dillon 20 and Aaron Jones is a starter and you never hear anything about it Aaron Jones is never upset about it so honestly if the if the two Dallas backs uh, I'm comparing not the the builds and skill uh, skill sets but just the fact that there's two and there's two if the Dallas running backs were to get in the mindset of, I don't care who scores or who makes the play, we're both great. It doesn't matter. Let's just play. They need the, you know what, let's just fly them to Green Bay for a practice <laughs> and just listen to what, put some microphones on Aaron Jones and on uh, A.J. Dillon, mic them up, record that shit and bring it over to Dallas. Be like, hey, Tony, hey, Zeke, 
you guys don't start talking and acting like this, not only is Zeke, are you going to be gone? Pollard, we'll find a way for you to be gone too. Well, and I'm not it- suggesting that because obviously <laughs> they need Pollard, but think about it. Let's, let's go with the hypothetical, right? If they did do that, if that was legal, obviously, I'm, you know, the hypothetical is pretty strong here, but let's just change it to, they get him in a room. They say, listen, we're going to go with the hot hand. You guys are both extremely talented. We're going to split up the touches. That's how it's going to be. Tony, you might get 20 and Zeke, you might get 10 one game. And the next week it could be flipped or it could be 15 and 15. But no matter what it is, if we're winning, you guys need to not care. And if you guys are going to be selfish, it's going to be a problem. And it's going to be a problem not only for the two of you and your futures with this team, but it's going to be a problem for the team in itself because the team's going to look up to you guys. Because you're, along with Dak, essentially they're leaders on the offense, the two running backs. So, you know, the the saying is you take the personality of the quarterback. Well, yeah, but there's other leaders besides the quarterback. I feel like Zeke and Pollard are are leaders on that offense. So if you got those two not 100% in their corner with each other, you know, the younger players might see that and that, okay, then you got locker room problems. You don't want locker room problems. No, especially on Dallas because they get magnified every time anything comes out. One last guy in the Cowboys want to talk about, or I guess combo of guys in both uh, Micah Parsons and Trevon Diggs had obviously outstanding seasons a year ago, young defensive guys. You'd think a defense with those two kinds of guys with the offensive talent we've named would be mm-hmm. an above 500 team, but we're both kind of pessimistic on it. So what's going on in the defense besides just having these two studs? Yeah, so I'm going to say this, uh, part of the, to also explain the C a little bit, because I feel like I said a lot of words, but didn't explain the C. So I apologize for that. But the the C, the average grade has a lot to do with McCarthy, to be honest, just to be out there and be frank. I don't trust him. I don't. I trust Dak because, you know, before he got hurt last year, he was one of the best, you know, six players in the league. Like he was an MVP threat after that New England game, you know, went to a shitstorm for about six, uh, six weeks, six, seven weeks. Um, but so Dak, I'm good with. I think Dak's a top 10 quarterback. I think at his best, he's in the top probably six. It could never, I don't see him ever being a top three. But you don't need to be a top three. Matthew Stafford is not a top three quarterback. Right. He's not. And he just won a Super Bowl. You need a quarterback. The days of needing the best quarterback or even a top three quarterback don't exist anymore. You absolutely need a quarterback who's either a top 10 quarterback or playing at the level of a top 10 quarterback. But you don't need a top three or a top five. You just don't. You can win without. Um, but defense, Parsons, Diggs, man. They got some studs there, man. Dave Parsons, especially he's like, and and I'll tell you what, before the season started, I could have never predicted the amazing rookie season that he had because I don't think anybody could have, but we were on hard knocks last year. Just being a Cowboys (laughs) fan. I'm sure you watched. Yeah. And, and, and you know what I'm about to say, because you saw it. He was talking with DeMarcus Ware, like really, really engaged in listening and wanting to learn and that sold me right there. Like, I knew he was going to be at least good just based on him wanting to talk to DeMarcus Ware 
and embracing it so much. Seeing it on camera, we could see it. It wasn't like we read it online. We saw it online that they were working out together. We visually saw it. Um, so the C record, the C grade is a lot to do with the coach. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, too, until they get playoff success, I would last year as a C to me. What did you do? You won the division. You lost a game. How am I going to give you an A or a B that you would like you did good? I don't know. You did average, really. I mean, there's 14 teams now that make the playoffs. That's almost half the leagues. And then you lost. So do the math. Right. You were you were half. What's half? A and F. What's half? A C. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing about looking at the Cowboys as average is like there's all the stats about how like they've been roughly 500 in the 21st century, right? I don't know what exactly the number is off the top of my head, and I don't have it quite in front of me, but they've been roughly 500 in the 21st century. Uh, the deal with McCarthy, not only obviously is every Dallas coach on the hot seat because Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones, but he's like on the extra hot seat because there's this like Sean Payton rumor going on out there and all of those kinds of things. And I don't mean to speak ill on McCarthy, uh, maybe to a little bit, but I don't, he doesn't strike me as a guy based on past performances. that's going to do well with that kind of pressure on him. And so I'm worried about matter that of fact, as well. Matter of fact, he's probably going to do worse with right. more pressure. So not I, totally, <laughs> I totally get that grade is all I'm trying to say, but the Cowboys see, how do you think that's going over? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that the other, the, the one thing I will say is, uh, I know we're going to get to the other teams, but out of the division, they're the only team that their roster on day one of this year is worse than their roster on day one last year. It's the reality. Their, their roster is worse than it was week one of 2021. It just, that's the reality. They, they lost a lot of pieces. Amari Cooper, obviously, Collins from the offensive line. Um, I mean, they, they lost and ran the whole Randry Gregory fiasco, um, which we don't need to get into since that's months old. But I will say this. The one thing I am happy about their offseason is that the coordinator stayed. That is possibly the biggest win. And I know it's not players, but the fact that, Dan Quinn is the defensive coordinator and Kellen Moore is the offensive coordinator is actually puts me in a better space than if there was new coordinators on both sides. Certainly understand that because it feels like that would be like just its own level of like scary. Um, I, I wonder like there weren't better options. So I don't know that I wanted anyone else, but like they, I I mean, honestly, dude, like, and I know we want to move on, but honestly, like after last year, I was like, bro, one of the coordinators needs to be the head coach and McCarthy needs to be gone. And that would have been a risk, but I'm like, you got to take a risk. Jerry Jones took a risk by buying the team 60 years ago. I mean, I'm (laughs) I'm exaggerating, but he paid a fortune for the franchise. He didn't know it was going to turn into this. He was never an owner before. He took a risk, so it's not like he can't take risk. I thought it was a risk worth taking. I actually kind of wanted them to go the younger route. Kellen Moore, you're the head coach. Can you do it? Because what? if you can't, because if you can't, five years from now, we'll bring you back as the coordinator. But we'll, well give you they, a chance to be the head coach first. And if you fail at that, we like you enough as a coordinator. We will bring you back. I think that's what would have happened. The, the young coach thing certainly feels like it's like the MO of the league right now. Not just McVay in Los Angeles, but like young, offensive-minded guys like McDaniels in Miami, in Miami or yep. Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona or just guys that like have that kind of swag about them. 
Kellen Moore is not quite as good looking as like Cliff Kingsbury, but like he has that kind of swag, I yeah, think, as he yeah. approaches his game planning. And it would have I been think, interesting to see. I think he's underrated as a coordinator. Don't get me wrong. In watching Cowboys games, I think it, you know, he all, he's frustrates us a lot of times. And I would actually love, this is a, a story for another day, but I feel like when he is creative, he's one of the best in the league. And I don't know why he's not always creative because there are games where I'm like, holy shit, no, the Seattle Legion of Boom defense wouldn't have stopped us today. Like literally the play calls were phenomenal. And then there are games where I'm like, the defense knew every single play that was coming. So I don't understand why, how do you look like possibly the best coordinator in the league and the next week you're one of the worst. I don't get it. I don't know well, if that has anything to do with Jerry. Jones. I have no clue. I, I'm not a Cowboys fan. I wonder where you stand on this, but I think Jerry Jones is like less than one percent of the problem. Well, he doesn't he doesn't do anything? All he does, I'm he's not an a, old. He's an old. He's an old hick who talks to the media. What else I'm, does he do? I'm not super high on the Joneses because I I wonder if they're the reason that like McCarthy is still around or or whatever. Um, I will say though, to Kellen Moore's credit, just because football reference is up in front of me, they did score the most points in the NFL last season. Um, I think that all speaks to your point though, that like Kellen Moore might've been the better option at head coach this year. And he's going to be sitting there calling offensive plays. Right. So. Absolutely. So, you know, I guess Parker, what we're saying is it's a big uh, shit storm that people don't realize it's a shit storm, but Cowboys fans know it's a shit storm. Oh, we see it's coming. The Philadelphia Eagles. Feel like they're on a different trajectory they finished last season at just nine and eight um, but did make some big changes and uh both like in this past offseason and in season last season they finished second in the division last year what do you predict their grade will be at the other end of the season i'm gonna go with a, a b so that's higher than the cowboys so i have a couple questions um mostly I assume that's a B because things are continuing to be positive. What what leads you to a B for the Philadelphia Eagles? You know, it's crazy because you think that, you know, if you give one team a C on the season and you give another team a B, you're saying that the team that got a B is having a better season. So in essence, what you're saying is they're going to finish with a better record. And logically, all that makes sense, right? I mean, I'm not sitting here saying that doesn't, but – to me, when I'm thinking about grading, I'm thinking about expectations. So what are the Cowboys' expectations? And then what are the Eagles' expectations? And if you fail short of the expectations, how much did you fail short? So to me, it's not sitting here saying the Eagles are going to win the division just because I'm saying they're getting a better grade. It's that their expectations, although, like you said, they are higher this year, because of the moves that they made, there's still the reality is the Cowboys are the Cowboys. They go on TV no matter what. You you want to watch the <laughs> yeah. Cowboys? It's very easy to watch the Cowboys, and almost that in itself sets expectations, regardless of the roster. Definitely, that um, almost puts pressure on the players, regardless of who the players are. That the Eagles players don't necessarily get that pressure. So I think that there's just lower expectations in Philly than Dallas, even though the expectations are higher than let's say the last five years. Well, and what's funny is they have more pressure now. Well, so like Carson Wentz tears his knee and pressure was like, Oh, it's totally understandable. And they end up winning the super bowl. Cause there's like, what's the worst thing that happens. We're not supposed to be here kind of guys. Right. 
um, which is very Philly mentality. This year, I do think that whether so last year AJ Brown, sorry, AJ Brown joined the Philadelphia Eagles, Correct, and he yes. joined a team with Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith, who already had some chemistry. That's a lot of firepower in its name on offense. I mean, Hurts offers some like various ways to attack a defense. I think that at least make you game plan for Jalen Hurts, right? And so what do you see happening on offense? Is it a big AJ Brown year? Is so, it what what's going on? Yeah. So, you know, that's why it's like, you know, that's why it's almost like we were talking about a little bit a little bit before that, you know, we're so excited for football season, like the actual regular season, because it's right there. And to me, it's because at least in the last five years, I mean, look how many storylines there are to follow. There's so many new places and new faces and all like you got obviously Tyreek Hill is in Miami. You got Devontae Adams is in Las Vegas with the Raiders. That impacts four teams, team they went to, the team right. they lost, and that impacts four quarterbacks. So that in itself, even though it's four teams, essentially that's eight stories with four teams. And there's 32 teams. There is a lot of stuff to watch this year. There really is. And to me, and, and I'm sure further, you know, you've had conversations off air and, and maybe on air with guests as well, but the two quarterbacks that it's like, I need to pay attention to you and have the most pressure is Tua and Jalen Hurts. Well, and they have the most pressure on of any quarterback people. Cause what I hear is oh Rogers does because no Devonte Mahomes does. Okay, fine. But no, they're already amazing at what they do and top two players at their position. Jalen Hurts and Tua might not be a starting quarterback in the NFL next year. And so who shared, has more pressure? And they shared the locker room in Alabama together. So there's some poetry there. So you, in focusing on the NFC East, do you think Jalen Hurts has a big year with AJ Brown? Do you think it's more like AJ Brown takes up coverage and Devontae Smith has a big year? Are we blowing their offense out of proportion? What do you predict is happening? So they should – the thing is with the weapons that they got, because obviously, you know, you got Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown. They have a probably top five tight end or at least close to it. Dallas Goddard is definitely a top ten tight end. There's no debate about that. And you got two probably – what are we going to say? Top 30 receivers at worst, probably two top 20 and A.J. Brown is very close to the top 10. So that's two great receivers and a great tight end. And the quarterback is extremely mobile and athletic, which is what the way the NFL is. And their head coach, although he's relatively new head coach, had a lot of success as a, as a coordinator. And as a rookie head coach last year, led him to the playoffs. So he's got a little bit of – I'm not going to say I'd rather him than McCarthy, which sounds weird as much as crap. We just gave McCarthy because, <laughs> but like one season is one season. You got to keep it in perspective. It's just one year. You did it for a year and you, you made the playoffs and lost in the first round. You did the same as what we did. You made the playoffs, right. you lost right. in the first round, but still as a rookie head coach, I feel like that is an accomplishment no matter what, like to me, you got to give credit where credit's due. So he did good for a rookie head coach. And now it's like, okay, well, you got to prove it again. And for their offense, man, if they're not scoring at least 30 points, like what have we got now? It's 17 games to me, given health, because we have to preface it with that. If someone's like, oh, well, you said this and now, okay, well, if they're healthy, okay, we're living in an ideal scenario here. 
if they're healthy for the majority of the season, they should score 30 points at least eight or nine times. Well, and- they, they should, they should. And if they don't, like somebody failed. And that'll go back to uh, Hertz if they don't. And he has the pieces that are healthy because we talked about offensive line, right? The Eagles offensive line is significantly better than the Cowboys offensive line. The gap is, is, is big. It's big. Well, and Lane John- if you're an offensive line guy, Lane Johnson's really fun to watch. I was going to ask you if the offense fell short, were, you gonna, were people going to put it on Jalen Hurts? or Nick Sirianni, but it sounds like you're putting it on, you're assuming it'll be put on Hertz's shoulder. I mean, to me, uh, because you know, ultimately, yeah, the coach calls the plays, right? We know that, but just talk about Mahomes for a second. And he has a great head coach, but if Mahomes, if, if let's say if the three wide receivers and the tight end and the running back are all running pass routes and they literally all run the wrong route, most quarterbacks, that's a sack. That's an interception. That's something bad. I feel like with Mahomes, he might still get like a five-yard run on that just by himself. And that's right. what separates the great from the, the good. So with Hurts and Tua, it's like, okay, your teams put players in place. They load it up. They got you weapons. You have no excuses. If you don't have the chemistry with the new players, then that's your fault for not practicing more with them or your leadership or both. So yeah, it's going on Jalen hurts and he's fighting for his job. They have a, they have another team's first round pick next year, not their own. That's a team that's expected to be bad. So Ooh, I don't call that off the top of my head. They, it, I'm almost positive because that's why they're saying, I think that's why they were saying that there's even more pressure on hurts because the first round pick that they have, I, I think it's it's expected to be like top 10. I think. Um, I'm not sure. Well, and that plays into what I've said for a number of different teams. Like the Houston, like so I'm a Texas guy, the Houston Texans, like Davis Mills is, is playing for his future because there are a number of quarterbacks available in the top few picks. So if the Texans only win two or three games, they'd may just replace him, right? Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. I if the Eagles only win a handful of games and are picking in the top five that would be catastrophic. But like you said, if they're picking up a draft pick, that would change things up quite a bit. Um, I, I got to talk uh, a little bit about the defense in Philly though, because did you see the clip of first round pick from last year's draft, Jordan Davis, just bullying offensive linemen? I, I don't, he's so he's massive, we're ta- massive. We're talking storylines, right? I mean, that's one of the most exciting things. And, and to me, what, I mean, what I'm going to be paying attention to, for one thing, is there were 11, 11 players from Georgia from their defense that are now in the NFL. That Georgia defense was legendary last year, one of the best ever. And who out of those 11 are going to be the best in the pros? It's going to be interesting for me to see. And to your point, that guy is massive. He reminds me almost, you know what? I didn't think of it till just now, so I'm glad I thought of it. But it's almost like he's Vince Wilfork. He's a big dude, but he can run faster than a wide receiver. Like, he's he's huge, but the speed and the, the, like, it's almost like, like young Vince Wilfork. That's what it looks like. They've got him listed on here at 6'6", 340. And I got to be honest, 
I feel like that's not giving him full credit. I feel like he looks bigger than that on television. You feel like he might be like 360 is what you're saying. Exactly. And to what you pointed out, at all of that size, even if it is air quotes, just 340, he's running a 478. <laughs> like, like that's that's ridiculous like that is that's going to be faster than a handful of quarterbacks he's chasing down at the very least if not more than that like that I'm, is, I'm, I'm like not even joking i bet you that's literally faster than at least one wide receiver and probably more than one i mean that, like that has to be definitely that has to end. be it's definitely faster than a tight end or two like like, like a starting the, tight end or two the will uh, comparison came to me i guess because i'm in massachusetts but also because i remember one of the most famous plays is him picking up a fumble or an interception and it's like dude you were just at the 50 yard line you're at the 10 how did you get there with that body it. and he was just like zooming and to be fair i think he didn't score the touchdown because he got winded because the because the, the sprint was there the sprint was like holy yeah. crap and then it was like oh shit i'm tired i still got 10 more yards to go <laughs> but just the sprint and that's where it's like jordan davis man he's a wrecking ball like you need to double and triple team him and, and he still might get by you well and doubling triple teaming him i mean they're gonna have fletcher cox they let defensive tackle Hassan reddick be rushing the pass or uh, like like they've got to really like intriguing front seven if they're scoring 30 points a game i'm i'm high on the defense because i like this line they're they're gonna finish a pretty high record do you think they have a chance to take the division from the cowboys or still looking at a wild card no I, i'm gonna sit here i purposely didn't say it 10 minutes ago but i'm gonna sit here and say that they are gonna win the division i'm gonna you know i like to be bold right i mean we're doing podcasts you know we, you gotta have an opinion you might as well be confident in the opinion because, you know, everyone who has opinions is wrong all the time. So, <laughs> and they still talk on TV. So, I mean, we're just living in that dream, I guess you can say. But, you know, it's interesting. And I don't have to tell you this, being a Cowboys fan, you know, the last time the NFC East had a division champ repeat was almost 20 years. It was the Eagles in 2004. That's so for 18, 18 years in a row, the division winner has not been the division winner the next year. That's well, a pretty that's a pretty long cycle for me to be like, all right, Dallas is gonna break it when we're saying Dallas's roster is worse and the Eagles roster is better. So how can I legitimately make the argument that Dallas is going to end that almost 20 years of no repeat division winners when I'm saying the Eagles roster as a whole is better than the Dallas roster as a whole? Yeah, that's just the reality. Look at the rosters on paper. The majority of the positions, you're going to say Eagles win that, Eagles win that, Eagles win that. The small counter to that, which you may be thinking, is, well, quarterback matters. And it does. And Dak's the better quarterback, and there's no debating that. But is the difference between Dak and Hurts significant enough to make up for the talent discrepancy the rest of the roster? That's well, really the question. That that's really what it is. And I guess Hertz is entering his what's technically his third year. He only started mm. a couple of games that rookie year. Yeah, that was started... the that was the year that Wentz fell off the map. Yeah, and mentally, he... so, like psychologically. <laughs> no, he's still on planet Earth. That's very um, physically he is. The the I think that what's interesting is that like could we see a big jump in Jalen Hurts because he started fifteen games last season. And so will he like 
have a typical what's typically like a first year second year kind of jump because he he's more of a traditional starter now um, he's like a he's like a prime candidate for most improved player of the year which i don't think the nfl ha- i don't think the nfl even has that do they i know the nba does i don't think no, the, the nba has got it i will say but if there was an award in football he would be like probably the number one candidate the i think the nfl equivalent would be comeback player of the year, but it's not really he's not from an injury yeah. i i think that what's interesting about hurts though is that like it so we talk about who gets the blame if they go if it goes poorly if they're winning games and they're scoring 30 points a game or 30 points in a lot of games like you're saying and and like winning the division and like the division's always on tv like jalen hurts is going to become a household if he's not already like a very popular mm-hmm. name in circles around this country i mean he's a fun guy to watch can i counter counter that very quickly i feel that if he has the the season that we're thinking is possible where you know let's say he's got i don't know 30 touchdowns and eight picks let's say like that's a great year right that's any quarterback would take that year which is possible i wouldn't even say that's impossible given the roster around him but the thing is to me i i just cannot despite the the roster do you really could you feel confident in saying right now even if the offense stays healthy the defense stays healthy that in let's say an nfc championship game he's going to win oh i can't i can't get there i can't and the reason i say that is i can't get there like this year next year next year next year even if he has a fantastic year i feel like there's a there's a ceiling and he can't get above that. I don't know if I use that analogy correctly, but I think you get what I'm saying. There's almost a little like Jimmy G in him. Now, obviously, one's white, one's black, one's athletic, the other is not. But the comparison being, the comparison being that you know Jimmy G has been really, really good, has good stats, has won a lot of games, has not won a Super Bowl. I feel like in five years we could be saying man, those careers kind of mirror each other. Right. I guess I just mean more so that like uh, getting to an NFC championship game would be a big step for the Eagles right now. Right. Like to, to oh, oh, just no win. denying. Yeah. Right. No like, denying. like that would be huge for them. That huge. Obviously like, can he get past that? I think like, let's get there and see what happens. <laughs> um, but, but he certainly like, if he got there would be like, Oh my God, this Jalen hurts. And then, if something didn't work, like, okay. Well, Talk about money. Yeah, exactly. He exactly. has that season and gets them there. He, he ain't got to worry about being the starter. He's going to be the starter. He's going to be handsomely paid. In the transition of sorts, that kind of makes itself. The guy Jalen Hurts replaced in Philadelphia was Carson Wentz. After a short stop in Indianapolis, Carson Wentz is now in Washington. So we're going to transition into talking about Washington and Carson Wentz kind of still. Lots of stuff going on. We talked at the top about the front office and those kinds of issues. So plenty of distractions going on in Washington as well. Mm-hmm. What kind of a grade do you think they'll end up with at the end of the season? It's funny sometimes in sports how quick things change. And for me, once we have to look at it in two ways, both physically and mentally, especially with quarterbacks, but arguably with any sports player in any position, you need to have it mentally and physically. You just need to. Physically, man, I would say that his physical tools combined, you know, throwing, accuracy, deep pass, 
rolling out of the pocket. His physical attributes are probably a top five quarterback, like easily, probably not even debatable. Would you agree? He's very talented. And especially he had the bad knee injury in Philadelphia, but like before the knee injury, he was the MVP favorite that season, right? Like he, he was was just going to say legit. He was the MVP before he wrecked his knee and that's a physical injury, but and you know what this is interesting it's like did that happening and then Foles winning was that actually a bad thing not only for Wentz but actually as crazy as it sounds was that a bad thing for the whole Philadelphia organization now the reason I say that is okay we won a Super Bowl why would we in any case why would we give that back right I mean obviously Right, right but and I know so maybe I sound crazy right now but what I, would, what I would say to that is they won a Super Bowl with Foles, and it's five years later, I'm pretty sure, or four, and there's still a lot of uncertainty at QB, a lot. And if Wentz doesn't get hurt and they win with Wentz, or if he gets hurt and they, Foles loses in the first round, there is no debate after that Super Bowl who's the quarterback. It's Wentz, obviously. There was a legitimate debate in Philly. Should Foles be the starter? Because he just won us a Super Bowl. And, and he Wentz, was the MVP, too. It wasn't like he just, like, showed up. Yeah. No. Like, yeah. Foles literally outplayed Brady. Literally. No, let's be clear, listeners. Like, calm down. I'm not saying Foles is better than Brady. I'm <laughs> saying one in, game. In, in one game, <laughs> Foles' statistics were more impressive and better than Brady's. Okay, I think Brady actually had more passing yards, but he had the only turnover of the game. So that in itself, right there, he had over 500 yards passing. So statistically, maybe Brady was slightly better, but he had the only turnover. QB rating, QBR can almost guarantee Foles was better. So for that game, and they won. So Foles was better than Brady that one game. So, okay, Philly, you, you win. That's awesome. You get a Super Bowl. But now your QB is broken mentally nobody knew that at the time but now we look four years later Wentz is literally I think and he could prove me wrong just like he can prove everyone wrong I think he's mentally broken like I don't think his mental whatever his is stopping him mentally which is probably more than one thing I think he's broken I don't think it can be fixed well and I think what's interesting there is like I'm not like the most I, I don't know the most about his psychology necessarily but i think at like a very like baseline level we would all kind of see why you are on top of the world you're winning the most games for the franchise they've won in a long time and young it's all going great this is gonna be a great career and then it's like do they even really need you like very quickly right like very very quickly do and not you? only that i mean we can we can say this in probably agreement the philly fans are nuts they're yes. nuts. Like yes. they nuts. My point in saying that is there's you, you had before the knee injury, right? Going to mental. I know it's physical, but mental before the knee injury, Wentz was beloved. He was their hero. Everyone loved him. He was leading them towards the Super Bowl. He was the MVP of that season. So the entire city and organization, everyone embraced him. Everyone loved him. Then he goes down to your point. The backup comes in, Foles comes in and wins the Super Bowl. The town is now split 50-50. It was 100% Wentz. And now it's literally, if you, I, I even have a couple of Eagles fans that I remember, especially one from high school, 
And he was like, dude, like, I, I don't even know how to react. Like Wentz was amazing, but then we just won the Super Bowl without him. So is it really like, is it that obvious that they should go back to Wentz? I don't think it was obvious. And I think the organization felt obligated or pressured to do it because he was a top five first round pick. So they traded Foles right after that. And it's like, I feel like even though they won, that was worse for their franchise what happened, even though they won. Am I crazy? Or do you no, know kind of where I'm going there? No, that's a, that's a, it's interesting hypothesis for sure. Um, I don't know where Carson Wentz and the Washington football team, like, like, first of all, he's never on the Washington football team if you don't get hurt. Right. And so like, like you said, he'd still be in Philadelphia and those mm-hmm. kinds of things. And then when you add like layers on top of this, he leaves Philly, he goes to Indianapolis. That doesn't go well either. Right. He goes back to Washington in the same division as Philly. He's going to have to play in Philadelphia. this year, Right. Like, not it's only just, that, he's going to have to play Dallas again. Well, yeah. And, also, and we beat him more times than not. Right. We did. Um, we just did. No, we That's did. the fact. The, Dallas beat him more than they lost. Dak's record against the entire division, which is actually the problem. If the NFL was the NFC East, we'd probably have five Super Bowls. <laughs> well, yeah, that'd be nice. Like, legitimately. Um, That's part of the problem. His record against the NFC East is phenomenal. Dak's, the, yeah. that is. But against the rest of the league, it's basically 500. Well, you want to talk about Washington. Yeah, Washington. So in looking at Washington, they have – we talk about defense with Philly. They have young stud Chase Young, who should be coming back, it looks like, at some point. In the the, uh, ACL, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like he should be back. It doesn't look like – it might not be week one, but he should be back early in the season. They added Wentz. They have – as a receiver, they have – they picked up Dotson in the first round this past draft, but – they have Terry McLaurin and, and some of the uh, common names they've had for a couple of years now, Logan Thomas and, and whatnot. Um, what do you see happening with Washington this year? I mean, honestly, I really could see like, like despite, you know, talented players, which we can allude to, and you just named some of them, McLaurin, especially, I'm actually fantasy wise excited that he actually has a quarterback that's not like one of the worst five quarterbacks in the league. <laughs> like for the crap we're saying, Wentz, he's still probably an average to good quarterback. Like he can still throw the ball pretty well. So McLaurin is definitely playing with the best quarterback he's ever played with, 100%. So from a fantasy perspective, I think McLaurin's probably undervalued. But to your question, I could see it literally going like, like four and 13. I'm not going to sit here and say I predict that, but given everything the psychology of Wentz being in his old division not even really having success in the division prior to all that other stuff happening and now you're back in the division you have a less talented roster than you did on the Eagles Super Bowl team so you're working with less talent than what you had when you had that run with the Eagles and you got all the Dan Snyder stuff and Ron Rivera is a great coach but I feel like people get annoyed with him. And by people, I mean players. I feel like he's similar to Parcells. Give him four years and then get him out. Because we can't deal with him for more than four years. I think Rivera's got a little bit of that in him. He's really old school and um, old school and like discipline and, and those kinds of aspects of his personality, which is fine. There's some teams that need that veteran teams that think understand that. Um, 
the deal is, is that really sucks like a little bit worse when you're losing. And as you mentioned, last year's Ryan Fitzpatrick quarterback, uh, this team went seven and 10. And so this year, like understandably with a little bit more of a hit, uh, you know, Chase Young is going to play this year, but he might not be healthy by week one. We talked Ignazium about uh, Carson Wentz. You look at like McLaurin's going to have a good fantasy year, but like a good fantasy year is like a touchdown a game as a team. They're going to need more than one touchdown a game to win any games. I absolutely. Yeah. I don't, I'm I don't, not saying they're going to go three and 14 because that's pretty extreme. I'm just saying that it, I would not be shocked if that's what their season ends up being. There's so much extra stuff and you can't have extra stuff being in mass. The Patriots are the now. Not this game, not this quarter, this play. Every play is a new play. That's why they've been so successful, and I hate them, and I hate Belichick. But they're the only team in the league that treats every play as an individual play, almost, not entirely, but almost independent of the previous play. Every play is a brand new play. They're the only team to me that treats it that way, consistently. Right. And so I, I guess my deal is, is just like, what, what bright spots, if you're a Washington fan, what bright spots, I mean, we mentioned all the things that are going wrong. Is there anything to look forward to for them? If he stays healthy, McLaurin is, is possibly going to turn into a, a top 10 wide receiver in the entire league. But I mean, that doesn't really mean wins. It's a wide receiver. So, like, can you be excited about that? Sure. Like, we have a superstar, but arguably you have a superstar at the wrong position. You want a superstar at quarterback, not a superstar at wide receiver, and you definitely don't have a superstar at quarterback. So if you're asking me for Washington fans what they should be optimistic about, I would say that if we're going to talk about Wentz, because we have a lot, we have acknowledged that physically he is gifted. He's extremely gifted. He's got the physical skills. He absolutely does. So if you're saying, is their quarterback situation better than it was last year? Absolutely. They had Fitzpatrick for, I think, a quarter, and then Heineke and another guy for the majority of the season. Fitzpatrick like broke his hip like in game one or something like really similar to that. So they were playing with like three different quarterbacks last year, and Wentz is better than them. 100%. Despite everything that we've said, he's better than that. So if I'm going to say be optimistic, Ron Rivera is a good head coach. I think his time has run because he just, you know, he's only good for four years, I feel like, in a certain in a spot. But he's a good coach. Wentz is a good quarterback. McLaurin is potentially a superstar wide receiver. There's so, your optimistic view. Of the <laughs> oh, I almost I, said I almost said the Redskins, but that's their best case scenario that all of those things work out. Well, again, I, I don't necessarily think that I believe any of it will, but it's just like, is it really that down bad? Um, and they they really, really might be. If we said three and fourteen is worst case scenario, what you're, you gave us a couple of reasons to be optimistic. What what's the ceiling? What's the best this Washington team can do? I'll be simple and direct, 11. So three wins on the low end. Best case scenario is 11 for me. 11 and six is going to get you the playoffs. Probably not the division, although maybe, but 11 and six, I think, 
I mean, I personally, even the most optimistic person in the world, which I actually might not sound like this on the podcast, but I am very <laughs> optimistic. Um, I just even I can't see more than 11. If if you tell me they win 13 games, I'd be like, how many drugs were you on when you predicted that? <laughs> 13 and four for Washington? Like, no, that's not realistic. 11 is possible. 11, I think, is their best case scenario. Fair enough. Fair enough. If we're going to meander from a team that has a bleak outlook, uh, I guess we have to move into a team that had a rough go of it last season. The New York Giants came in dead last in the division last season at four and 13. Uh, They've changed coaches. Uh, They are looking at getting Saquon Barkley fully ready to roll and and put a lot more on his shoulders. Uh, You've got uh, questions that, you know, is this Daniel Jones is like prove it year. Tyrod Taylor's also on the roster. Uh, I've got thoughts there as well, but I want to hear from you. What grade do you anticipate the Giants earning this season? Is there a lower than F? Can we say like a G or an H or an I? They're going to uh, get an H. All right. What are they going to get an H for? <laughs> uh, uh, I thought that was actually a very lame joke, but you laughed. So I'm happy that you laughed, even if you laughed out of pity. Anyways, um, I just think that, okay, really, you touched on it. Their quarterback is Daniel Jones, right? And we're trying to, and in, intentionally, and I'm happy that we are, we're looking at each team, offense and defense and coaching. We're trying to get the whole perspective, right? Because we don't want to just focus on one. Um, but I want to start with the Giants offense. There are three most important players in going again with the optimistic point of view. Um, there are three most important players on offense are easily Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and Kadarius Tony. Those are your three most talented or best players on offense. I'll go individually. Saquon, this is what people don't realize, really. And I'm hoping, and I know that you're smart enough that you do realize this. Saquon Barkley, when healthy, has been average. He's been mostly average with huge, big, explosive plays. Like, he's been not that great besides he'll make a 70-yard play or an 80-yard catch. But if you look at it and you really break down his actual statistics, not just the highlights that make Center, he really hasn't been much better than average, to be honest. And Giants fans might say, what are you talking about? This is a Cowboys fan. He, he was paid to say this. He was this. <laughs> no, literally go ahead and look at the stats. Take out those huge runs and pass catches. And he's averaged, I believe, barely four yards a carry for his career. Actually, we're both look that up for me if you can. I don't think he's much higher than four yards per carry, which that's average. If you're like 4.1 as a running back, you're, He's at four and a half, although to be fair, in 2021 is at 3.7. Okay, three points. So, um, so I'm underselling it. I am being too harsh then. But <laughs> I am, you know, I'm glad you called me out on that. His well, career statistics did. His career numbers, though, I think, like his 4.5 on his career, his rookie season, he has a pro bowler and getting five per se- five per rush. And so, like, there has been a decline. Um, I, I I would point out there's also some like shakeups on the offensive line in there and that kind of oh, stuff. 
I was but, just going to say, his offensive line has been horrible for most of his career. As a yeah. running back, that is horrible. <laughs> like, you need a good running back. Why do you think, you know, DeMarco Murray, who we loved as Cowboys, why do you think they let him go? And by the way, they were right, because he was nothing after that. He was out of the league in two years. He went from the leading rusher in the league, and he was gone two years later. Right. Literally. Like, that's that sounds crazy right to say, it's, but it's, it's true. Fast. Yeah. It, and with Saquon, he's had a below average to horrible offensive line his entire career. Um, so I think maybe I was, was being a little bit too harsh. I was just going off memory. So glad statistics say no, Ben, no. But he really has had those explosive plays. And then there hasn't been much. Um, so and then, of course, the health, right? I mean, we know. He has not been Christian McCaffrey, who's been basically a name and not even seen on a football field. Saquon has been on the field more often than McCaffrey, um, but the injury bug has hit him, you know, with ACLs, ankle injuries. And for me, with a running back, it's tough because I actually don't know, like I'm not a doctor, the, like the actual physical body parts. And so this is me just speaking, making an educated guess. But for me, a running back, I would almost rather your shoulder being your injury because not that you can necessarily play through it, although you could probably more likely than maybe an ACL. But like just speaking in Saquon specifically, because where is he getting tackled? It's his knees and it's his ankles. And that's where he's gotten hurt. So if his injuries were like, like a, like a shoulder, like a separated shoulder or even a worse shoulder injury, I wouldn't be as concerned because he's getting tackled low. All of his injuries have been low. That concerns me as a running back. If that's where your injuries have been, that's where you're going to be tackled because the league has basically outlawed tackling up high with the helmet, the helmet, the horse collar, like you can't really tackle high. You can legally if you're good enough to do it and also the discipline to do it. You can still hit up high, to be fair. But the fact that he gets tackled so low on his body and that's where his injuries have been, that's the biggest – that's a huge concern for me as a running back. Um, Then you got Tony, who was only a rookie last year, but he had injury concerns at Florida in college. He had injury history there obviously got hurt last year and Daniel Jones. I just say turnover Jones. <laughs> well, and so that's, it sounds that's, like that's his, that's his name. That's yeah. what I call him. That's what he's good for. What is he good for? Turnovers. It's going to happen. Always good. You want your defense, your fantasy defense playing against him for sure. I, I think what's interesting in looking at him is he's another guy that, can play his way into a job next year, but he's really, really on that cutting block where if they only win three or four games again, they're they're probably looking at Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. So they're looking at somebody yeah. to replace him next season. Um, new coach. You know so- what, Parker, that, that reminds me, I'm sorry, but I, I didn't want to lose the train of thought. I guess maybe we can take some, uh, maybe a t- tiny bit of optimistic about our Cowboys that, we just said the other three quarterbacks in the division have a lot to prove and, and have a lot of question marks. It and to be fair, Dak has a little bit to prove, but a lot less 
question marks a lot less oh and i think you said it we're talking about the the eagles ben though that like you know for all as good as jalen hurts is dak prescott is better there's just other question marks and doubts right i wonder so new coach brian dable maybe mm-hmm. doesn't do it because it's his first year but like if daniel jones is bad like do you put out tyrod taylor and just kind of see what happens like 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 if you're actually trying to win games, that is like, and not tanking for Bryce Young. We're, we're, we're going to assume <laughs> for the purposes of this, that Dayball wants to keep his job, meaning Dayball wants to win. Right. Let's, I, let's go with that hypothetical, right? I, I know what you're saying. Cause you're alluding to the Miami and all that crap, but if Dayball wants to win and his ownership wants him to win, I, I think there comes a point where Tyrod Taylor is going to be your starter. If you're like after 10 games, like, right, let's say they're three and seven, you're almost eliminated from the playoffs at that point or very close to it. And you tell me Tyrod Taylor is going to be worse than three and seven. Well, and it ain't going to be worse on his career. He's about 500 on his career. He's about 61% completions on his career. His uh, touchdown interception ratio was a little bit better than two to one. Like, He's not great, but he's not bad. <laughs> like, I, I, I just, I, I think it's interesting to see him on this roster. Okay. Wh- okay. Wait, wait, Parker, let's do this. Can we, can we, all right. Are you looking at Tyrod Taylor's stats right now? Uh, I have it pulled up. So let's start with record. You go first. Tyrod Taylor, go. 26, 25, and one. Okay. Daniel Jones record, 12 and 25. Let's go right down the line. Completion percentage. Tyrod Taylor, go. 61.3. Daniel Jones, 62.8. So very, very comparable. Point Jones, but more or less the same. Um, Passing yards is kind of hard, but let's go with it anyways. I got passing yards for Daniel Jones at 8,400. So that's interesting because in a lot more seasons, although he's not always – he's been a starter in only however many games, uh, Tyrod Taylor's got 10,700. Okay, there we go. And turnover, well, I can just say total TDs and interceptions and subtract. Daniel Jones has 16 more touchdown passes. How many more touchdowns does Tyrod have? Uh, 59 touchdowns, 25 interceptions, so 20, no, 34. 59 and 25, you said? Uh, yeah, 59, 25. Yes. So, so, so you got 40, 45 for Jones. It's so almost 15 more for Tyrod and more interceptions for Jones, 29. So yeah. we literally just said by numbers only and numbers only, the Giants would be smarter to start Tyrod Taylor than Daniel Jones. Well, and especially like interceptions. By numbers alone, numbers don't lie is what we're told in sports, right? The well, numbers so- say Tyrod Taylor is a better quarterback. Even things like interception percentage is like Tyrod Taylor's is pretty low at 1.6, meaning I assume that means he's throwing fairly safe passes. Um, I'd assume Daniel Jones is probably over two, right? Interception Um, percentage 2.3. Yep. And and Tyrod is not the same athlete he was, but he's not slow. He was always an athletic quarterback. 
Uh, Daniel Jones had that one big run that everyone remembers from like Monday night football or whatever it was, but he doesn't <laughs> break he, those off. That he off. fell and he didn't score on. <laughs> right, right, right. But <laughs> that's like a summary of his career. <laughs> I was about to say he didn't quite score. And he also like that's not normal for him. That's not a normal play we see him break out. And the only reason we even know that play is actually for two reasons. One, it was on Monday night football. And two, he didn't score. Definitely. Let's say that was a Sunday afternoon, one o'clock, Giants versus Jaguars, and that play happened. Nobody would know, basically. I mean, it would have made Sports Center top 10, but the fact that we can reference it as Cowboys fans, and it happened probably three years ago, only reason we know that is he didn't score and he's never had a better slash worse play. So let's look at this team and think, let's go like, think about optimism, think about pessimism. I don't care which team we start at. They drafted Evan Neal, who is a really, really good offensive line prospect out of Alabama. Another one of those yes. guys is just a giant, 6'7", 360, um, offensive tackle, just a, one of those giant, giant human beings. They do need to fix that. So that feels like a positive thing. If I look at their defense, right, and uh, they have, Dexter Lawrence, who was on the Clemson National Championship team back in like 2019, eight, I guess he won in 18, got picked in 19. They fit their first round pick this year on Kayvon Thibodeau, another defensive lineman. Theoretically, those are moves that feel like they're in the right direction. Is there any cause for optimism as you look at this roster? So the optimism would be, I think I alluded to it uh, much earlier, uh, being the entire division besides our Cowboys, I'm comfortable with saying are because now I know you, <laughs> but despite our Cowboys, every roster, the Washington, the Philly, and the Giants roster, week one of 2022 is a better roster on paper than week one of 2021. And the Dallas roster is a worse roster than week one of last year. That is a fact. Uh, like if you don't say that I almost don't want to have a sports conversation with you like literally if you try and debate me that that's wrong you're gonna have to really sell me and, and by after your first sentence if you haven't sold me you're talking to the wall I, I guess that's the deal right is like the Giants the Giants could win five game, go five and 12 this year and that's better than they were last year right like Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're not saying that they're going to be good, but there is maybe a chance that they're better. Uh, They were. I will say this, they're they're draft picks uh, and it is always extremely difficult to predict rookie performance in, in the NFL, almost like really, really hard. But their draft picks. As a uh, one of our podcasts, one of the co-hosts, uh, Gary, he is uh, a Giants fan, grew up in New York, lives in New York. And I also like going back to April, which is a while ago now, but their first two picks, I feel like have the potential to be like all pros. Not this year, like this will calm down now. <laughs> not like not this yeah. year. But I think the talent is there that those guys could be amongst like the top five of their positions within like three years. Those picks were phenomenal. And obvious, I don't think is the right word, even though they were top 10, there was still, I remember there still being a little bit of a debate on who they should take. I think they absolutely made the right choice. Absolutely. Those two picks, I feel like have a chance to be 
absolutely grand slams have a chance i i just i don't know if daniel jones can be the benefactor of them i don't know if brian dable will be the benefactor of them i just i just do i feel like they've got some talented young guys on this team and frankly if Kadarius tony can stay healthy he might be one of them too right like it, it just absolutely it just yeah for sure feels like it's in the right direction slowly but surely um tony does really I, fun stuff and all the slot kind of stuff but i i don't know i guess that's another variable too right that we haven't uh well we touched upon it a lot but the, another variable in, with the giants is dable it was great for josh allen absolutely phenomenal but the combination of stefan diggs and brian dable has and I'm saying Josh Allen's talent wasn't there, but those two, he should be mailing them Christmas cards. Their family should be getting Christmas cards every year. The Diggs family and the and and Brian Daybell's family. Daybell was a fantastic offensive coordinator, but you're not a coordinator anymore. You're the guy. And my point in saying that this is another fun conversation. And I think maybe we could we could discuss that in another episode. You know, there are certain in the NFL specifically, there are certain coordinators who are fantastic coordinators, like amazing coordinators and horrible head coaches. Definitely. Yeah. Wade, Wade Phillips, uh, to, to give a Cowboys example, was an amazing defensive coordinator for decades. It's horrible as a head coach. Completely. What's interesting about him is I, because you're talking, I pulled it up. His career is almost entirely receivers coach coordinator um you know like so he had a stint as an oc in like the 2009 to 2012 realm Mm -hmm. back to being a position coach and then was the oc actually at alabama the year before he went to the bills as same position and um it's interesting yeah so that so you know what's crazy we don't know what he's gonna look like there's no like i I was gonna go try and pull up what team and what they looked like and whatever and there's not really one of those yeah and you know it's crazy and we're talking about the coaches like like i said part of what i've enjoyed the most and i hope the listeners do as well is we have really looked at offense defense coaching best case worst case for all four teams like we're giving you the whole thing if you don't watch ESPN and first take and all that, like just listen to this episode about the NFC East, you'll know everything you need to know, like seriously. Um, but going my, before I lose my train of thought, we're talking about specifically on the coaches. It's like, yeah, I definitely wish it was probably Kellen Moore or Quinn. I would have been more happy going into the season if one of those was the head coach, but given all of the unknowns slash question marks slash controversy slash this, can we really say that McCarthy is the worst coach in the division? Or can we even make an argument that he's the best coach in the division? You could literally, you could literally, you, could, li- an hour, yeah. you um, literally could make an argument despite all of our gripes and complaints that it, McCarthy deserves that he's still the best. And, and we're talking head coach here to be clear that he's still the best or definitely at least most proven, but also I think there's an argument, the best head coach in the division, given all the other question marks. So his comparison with Rivera would come down to the fact that McCarthy has a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers and Rivera was close, but no cigar with Cam Newton. Right. That's like, that'd be the comparison. Yeah. Because bluntly Sirianni and, Siriano, Siriano, and Siriano, Siriano and Dable, we have no idea yeah. what they are. 
we right. have they no idea long enough. i i will say what you think about like and trying to track some similarity about amongst dable's career as a coach spent a lot of years as an assistant in new england obviously hall of fame best quarterback of all time right he spent the one season in alabama alabama is a great program i actually don't remember if they won the whole if they won in 2017 or not but very very good right and the point is he either had two hearts or one of those two and those two were that was before mac jones and they were phenomenal quarterbacks in college and then we're saying he had those quarterbacks while those quarterbacks were in college yeah and then in buffalo over the four years like the growth of josh allen was with him as a coordinator i don't think daniel so big picture here i don't know if daniel jones is the guy that benefits from having day bowl but if they really want to just start daniel jones for all six or all 17 games and go get bryce young bryce young could benefit from brian day bowl or cj stroud could benefit That's, from brian day bowl or like you know, that yeah you know like that's a that very interesting here that you know maybe that is M- maybe i mean there's not you can't really find a flaw in that argument necessarily like are you worse off with bryce young who's never played an nfl game or year six of daniel jones i'm talking about next year would be year six of daniel jones would you right. rather take the risk with the rookie quarterback or the sixth year quarterback who you know exactly what they are so that's an interesting point it's a really good point actually well, and, and I don't know what I, so I know that the dolphins are in trouble for it. I enjoy the draft and I would say, go get the young guy. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what they end up doing. But we are talking about the giants. <laughs> we are talking about the also giants. True. Also true. Also true. Ben, we're talking about the giants here. We're talk, we talked about the whole NFC East. You guys talk sports a lot on the death taxes and sports podcast. Tell people a little bit about that show. Like, what is the Death Taxes and Sports Podcast? What do you all do? Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for uh, segueing there. And it's, it's been a pleasure being on the show, Parker. And uh, I think this is not the last time. Definitely the first time, not the last time. But our podcast, Death Taxes and Sports Podcast, uh, Twitter handle is going to be at DT Sports 33. Just all one word. I'll repeat it again. Uh, it's going to be at D. T Sports 33. And it's myself, Ben Holloway, Gary Johnson, and Jeff Long. The connection is we all met in college at Johnson and Wales. Uh, prior to that, we did not know each other. And that was in 2010 and 2011. So this was not like we graduated two years ago and started a podcast. <laughs> like we stayed in touch and, and for the most part, and, and it's cool to me. Like we have that connection. We all were at Johnson and Wales at roughly the same time. I'm a little bit older. I graduated in 2009. Um, they were still, they graduated in 2011. The connection there is because I still lived in Rhode Island. And so I most likely met them at the club and later determined, Oh, we both went to Johnson and Wales, but you know, we started in February, you know, we basically, it's just sports death taxes and sports. Um, we spent a lot of time on the NBA, um, you know, when that was, you know, going big uh, NFL, we recently did similar to what we did today. We did division breakdown for fantasy football, um, all 32 teams. We picked 64 players because we picked two players from each team that one we think is going too early in fantasy drafts, one that's going too high um so we did that for literally every team in the league which was awesome 
And uh, yeah, I mean, the journey's kind of just begun. Uh, we're 49, sorry, 49, 39 episodes in. So we're, we're trying to you know, plan for something quote unquote big for number 50. The last thing I'll say, which was really, really nice. And the last episode we recorded, we did have David Bierman, and that is how you pronounce it, spelled Bearman, but <laughs> it's Bierman, who is the basically runs gambling for ESPN. Is the deputy editor of sports betting, I think it's his full title for ESPN. And he's he's worked there for 18 years. And he was he came on our episode last, our last episode. It was a blast. So that was a good time. And I, I don't know if we'll have him on again. But the fact that we did once to me was really, really cool. Well, and that's a big, big title as gambling has gotten bigger and bigger in sport. You obviously, so that's where the show is. And then you're pretty popular on Twitter yourself. You're very interactive on Twitter. You're constantly talking to people. So where can people find you and your stuff at? Yeah, so my uh, handle is going to be, and thank you for, for mentioning that, because, you know, without, let's be honest, without Twitter, we wouldn't have met. Yeah, we wouldn't be talking right now. So <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, go get Twitter. It's the power of Twitter. You meet people. Um, but so my handle is going to be at Ben DTS podcast. So just it, it ties in kind of the podcast and my name. So my name is Ben. So it's just at Ben DTS podcast. And that's me. Twitter, I will say, if people are still listening, <laughs> It is a dangerous game. I'm going to no, stop. It can I'm be a ton stop. of fun. It can be a ton of fun. Uh, obviously, Ben and I connected on Twitter, so I'd recommend go finding him at Ben DTS Podcast and, and talking through just sports. The funny thing is on Twitter, you end up talking about sports, and then you end up talking about movies, and then french fries, and like it, it just goes a thousand directions. It's late, late on the East Coast, so I'm going to let <laughs> let this go, but it's been a blast to have you on talking the NFC East, especially like because we're both Cowboys fans. It might have been adversarial had you been like an Eagles fan. So I'm glad <laughs> that it worked out. Um, oh, that's great. That's great. And for the listeners, we didn't know that until we started talking on this podcast. <laughs> we put things we, together. I, I did not know he was a Cowboys fan, and he did not know I was a Cowboys fan. <laughs> so thank you so much, Ben. Uh, it's been a blast. Friends, do you feel like you got a little bit better idea of what's coming in the NFC East this year? I love the NFC East because it feels like there's always such craziness and chaos and randomness each and every year with it. As Ben mentioned, it's a new winner every year. So let's see what happens. I think we got I think we got some pretty good analysis there, though. So we'll see what happens in the NFC East this year. Thanks again to Ben for coming on. Again, that's Ben Holloway of the Death, Taxes, and Sports Podcast. You can check him out on Twitter. You can find this show on social media. On Instagram, we're at F underscore N underscore sports. That's at F underscore N underscore sports. And on Twitter at FN Sports 2. It's F I N S P O R T S number two. All one word. We're approaching 10,000 followers on Twitter. And again, when we get to 10,000 followers, you can win a free gift card. So make sure you're following us there and checking on the show once we get to 10,000 followers. We'll announce how to win said gift card in the show. So make sure you're listening and following along as well. The gift cards will be to our various sponsors. So make sure you check out those sponsors and the link to our social media handles. There's a link tree there. It gets you to all the episodes and all the sponsors. That's Yeti. That's in the clutch.com. That's the beard struggle, etc. It also takes you to the merch store. You can buy the Flunk Alzheimer's shirt for September. That's the shirt that we're selling for September. Each month is a different t-shirt, hoodie, cup, mug, 
tank top, etc., and all of them give money to various charitable causes. Flunk Alzheimer's gets money to the Alzheimer's Association, continuing to work for a cure and help with treatment for Alzheimer's to at least slow down the effects while we're continuing to work towards a cure. So make sure you go check out and support a great cause as well as supporting the show. I'll be wearing mine regularly. I'll probably post pictures of it when I get it shipped to me. I mean, it's on its way, I guess. So when it's on, when it gets here, I'll be wearing it. I'll post that on social media <laughs> as well. You can find me on social media on Instagram and Twitter at Painsworth512. That's P-A-I. N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512 on Twitter and Instagram. Aside from posting what I'm wearing when it comes to FN Sports gear, I'm also posting lots of losses on sneakers. I've missed out on a number of different dunks lately, and I'm a little upset about it. <laughs> I also will be posting things like my Houston Rocket stuff, the Texas Longhorns, anything I'm recording or writing, etc. You can find all that at Painsworth512. Would really appreciate following me and supporting me in that way. If you want to support the show for free, make sure you hit Download, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, leave us a positive review, and whatever you do when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.